If you like what you hear, come and visit me at youtube.com slash tiptoe the tank and see this content in all its glory. All this time, as Sebastian, Joseph, Dr. Jimenez, and Leslie felt their way through Rubik's Playgrounds, another adventure has been playing out within STEM. The journey of Julie Kidman. After the ambulance crash, she initially had sights on Leslie, but she was removed from this reality into some place made of her own memories. Being given orders by her boss, walking the interior of a Mobius building, being plugged into a terminus station, and awakening back in the Ruvik STEM program, fresh from the ambulance wreck in the dark, warped halls of Mobius. Except, oh, Kidman. She is not afforded weapons of any sort here, unlike Sebastian and Joseph. She's dropped into the absolute muck of STEM with no way to defend herself. If Ruvik can't take control of her, if she's going to change his rules, then she will proceed with no way to combat what's around her save her own ingenuity and the strategic placing of a stiletto heel into the skull of combatants. And oh my, just look at this feast of creativity that stalks Kidman. Ruvik is disgusting, but you've got to hand it to the guy. He is extremely artistic and brings a weird form of beauty to some of his creations. Kidman's own memories of her assignment are intertwined with the memories of Ruvik. The slight touch of a victim's memories commonly impact the STEM world around them. But what I cannot decide is whether this is genuinely an individual's mind and memories leaking into STEM, or if Ruvik is using their own brain against them to really personalize the experience. I'm rather apt to think the latter. It's just too juicy of a tactic to brush off as happenstance. And what comes to the surface here is an insight into just how thorough the indoctrination process is by Mobius on new recruits. She's expected to give her life for her mission if necessary, though Kidman thinks that Mobius values her as a talented agent. She wants to please them. But remember, Kidman has spent almost two whole years working with Sebastian and Joseph at this point, embedding herself into the Crimson Police Department. So where were her loyalties fall in the end? She's able to find them both, Joseph and Sebastian that is, or at least see them at the place where they reside within STEM. And then, Ruvik appears. Mobius, so they sent you to take the boy back. You trust them. Don't kid yourself. You're just as expendable as your partners are. As I was, after all I did for them. <laughs> we'll see how loyal you are when you know the truth. Interesting that he decided to use words on her. Though I wouldn't put too much stock into Ruvik having good intentions. Everything is a sick game to him. It'd probably be quite enjoyable to see a dedicated Mobius agent crumble from within, to find out what it took to just push her over the edge. What kind of fresh hell can Ruvik make for this ambitious Mobius operative? As is the cycle of his games, the three are reunited for just a short moment, and then once again, split apart. Joseph and Kidman land in the sewers of a no-man's land. While Kidman searches for a route out, she's confronted with a memory brought into form by Ruvik. He can't take her over, but he can certainly change the STEM world around her. And in this particular recreation, her boss, the administrator, orders her to get rid of Joseph. He plays a game of words, feeding off of her insecurities, using the administrator to belittle and demoralize her, to bring her under some form of control, to manipulate her into killing one of her own companions. Very, very clever of him. 
Kidman is released back into the presence of Sebastian and Joseph, back into that sewer, and once again, a game begins. Give them something, take it away, and sprinkle in some violence. Ruvik sends out that feedback, that frequency within STEM that allows him to corrupt and turn victims, turn them into violent, unthinking, haunted killers. Sebastian flees in pain, trying to plug his ears, and he's pulled down into another area of STEM, but Joseph... He immediately succumbs to the power of Ruvik, and he attacks Julie Kidman. It is a long, drawn-out affair to avoid and disable him, but don't worry, don't you worry. Joseph isn't dead, at least not yet, question mark. Once again, Ruvik plays his teleportation game, and he separates them. All three are back to walking stem alone. We will remain with Sebastian for the bulk of the remaining tale. He walks again what looks like the warped halls of Beacon Hospital. He glimpses into Rivik's plans, his interest in Leslie, his connection to the core, the adaptability that the two share, and a depiction of Rivik at the heart of the STEM program. But of course, Rivik can't let a good memory fade without a touch of violence, can he? Oh, but it's no matter. Sebastian survives the arena, and as a reward, he is disabled and dragged to some place new, some place we've heard about before but we've not yet seen. The Cedar Hill Church, where all sorts of delightful horrors have come to life, a divine mix of Ruvik and Kidman's minds. Oh, and Sebastian's best pal ever, Joseph is here, resting within the gates like a picture-perfect sleeping beauty, waiting for Sebastian to arrive. Seems that this is where he landed after his scuffle with Kidman, and he's not doing very well. Every attack from Ruvik wears Joseph down just more and more. It's like he's not actually a target, but a pawn for Ruvik to play with to harm Sebastian and Kidman. He has no memory of fighting with her either. When he turns into a haunted monster, Joseph is really no longer himself. Former inhabitants of the area around the church begin to descend upon them, pushing them closer into the church, deeper into the village that Kidman once called home, a place she probably thought she'd never have to return to and a more sinister change begins to take place within Joseph. As Ruvik once described in early testing stages of STEM, over time, degradation of the ego generates strong suicidal tendencies. Joseph has suffered greatly within STEM at the hands of Ruvik, and now this is falling upon him, suicidal thoughts. Joseph is running out of time here. There is a deep urgency in their mission to find a way out of this place. If you recall, when Kidman returned home several years back as a teenager to find her family, she said that the village had been completely abandoned, its inhabitants just gone. And this is the case here as well. The market outside the church still exists, but there's no sign of life. Only Ruvik's haunted playthings beyond the gate surrounding it. The two were able to rest only for a moment to let Joseph have a slight reprieve, but wouldn't you know, running up the steps towards the church is none other than Julie Kidman with a distressed Leslie in tow. I wonder what they're up to. Well, I won't make you guess. Kidman awoke here, much the same as Sebastian and Joseph, and a frightened Leslie was nearby. And it took very little convincing for Leslie to believe that Kidman was there to help him. The poor guy was probably desperately in need of an authority figure. The two make it to the church, where Sebastian and Joseph see them from a distance. And within, Ruvik shows up once again to play his little game of lies, although this time, he doesn't just use words. Kidman gets a glimpse into the end game of Ruvik's plan and just what Leslie is to be used for. Their pawns, eventual victims, they killed me. 
They ripped me apart and took what they needed. I will destroy what they wish to control. Ruvik? It's an effective tactic, though. Ruvik really has sank his teeth into Sebastian, Joseph, and Kidman. It's as if a big enough nudge in the right direction could send them absolutely careening into complete despair. But Leslie... Oh, our boy. It's too late already, isn't it? Ruvik won't let you leave this place, will he? This is all just a sick game for Ruvik until Leslie arrives at the center of STEM, where Ruvik's brain resides what sickly sweetness hope is. And now, Leslie is gone from her sights once again. She's left with a command to return to Beacon and to bring the boy with her. Joseph and Sebastian make a push for the church gates that they saw Leslie and Kidman running into, along the way facing the fabled twins, Nian and Zen, who if you believe the tales, were conjoined twins that were taken in at Cedar Hill and experimented on in the basement, given the growth serum that made them grow into massive, ghastly men in just a few days. Oh, so scary. And just beyond them is the Sentinel, the once guard dog of the church grounds, who was also experimented on in the basement and who was fed human flesh left over from the sacrifices that took place under the church. That is, if you believe the tales. And within the church where not so long ago Kidman confronted Ruvik and lost custody of Leslie, Joseph begins to feel that surging pain once again. Something that signals Ruvik is close. He confesses that he cannot reason it away, nor can he fight it off as it goes too deep. It's a form of instinct that he cannot stand against when it cascades. Sebastian is able to help Joseph just this once to give him rest and sedation. But Ruvik stands overseeing the two struggle. It's time for another game to begin. A new test of wills, a new torment. Into the spooky basement of the Cedar Hill Church Sebastian is sent to travel the dark occultic halls. Through a dungeon and traps, impossible contraptions and violent cultist mobs transformed by Ruvik's will. Oh, how charming. Good things always happen in churches. And our best buddy Leslie is here, finally a beacon of goodness in this place, imprisoned like a toy for Sebastian to win, frightened out of his mind, the poor thing. Sebastian breaks him out and the two will travel on for about 15 seconds. Something is nearing and it sends the young Leslie into a tailspin of fear. It's all fun and games, good times and ha-has, until this thing shows up. We called him Safe Head, but he's properly known as the Keeper. The safe on his head represents where Ruvik once stored all his research and ideas safely within a lockbox. The Keeper is fueled by rage and violently charges towards its intended victim when approached. And oh God, what a fun fight in tight corridors, poisonous gas trying to open doors conveniently timed against the Keeper's attack. One, two, three stages into a kite and rotation, shoot and run. Oh God, I just love it. But watching its head get crushed is a fine reward for the rage and effort that it took to conquer this challenge. Sebastian makes it through, into the catacombs of a natural tunnel system beneath the church, leading away from the madness. 
It's surely the path that Leslie has taken, but Sebastian does not find the young man on this path. Instead, he's taken back to Beacon, or at least the Beacon Hospital within STEM. There, working away, is the good Dr. Marcelo Jimenez. I wonder what he's been up to for the last six or seven hours. But anyways, the two have a little bit of a talk. He tells Sebastian bits about what he and Ruvik were once working on together, the base nature of STEM, and how it was supposed to change the medical world. It all sounds crazy, and it is. But interestingly, Dr. Jimenez still has not worked out what it is that Ruvik wants, why Ruvik wants Leslie. His best guess as to Ruvik's motivations are, I'd say he wants us dead. Good work on that, Sherlock. The two are removed from each other's presence. Sebastian has gotten a taste of the truth, and that is quite enough. Give the target something, take it away, and then sprinkle in some violence. This lovely amalgamation of victims and rage is here to make Sebastian's acquaintance, to make sure that he keeps moving on at a timely pace. Or maybe it wants to play tag with Sebastian, how adorable. And the safe haven of Nurse Gutierrez Station has a visitor, or perhaps an intruder. Ruvik is making his presence known. The longer one spends connected to STEM, the closer attuned their mind becomes to Ruvik. Maybe Ruvik was always here, watching over this place. And now a new game begins. Ruvik gives Sebastian a taste of his own pain. Immolation. Or maybe it was just a big, bad dream. Doubtful, though. We know that. The safe haven has changed. It is changing. There's a new patient down the hall from where Sebastian's rest area is, but best not to disturb them. And the Victoriano family has appeared on the wall. Oh my. And furthermore, Ruvik is adding his own personal touches to the decor of the safe haven. Sebastian is given no choice in this departure. The halls of the haven are changing. Sebastian is forcibly taken out to a new, wondrous place. The picturesque mansion of the Victoriano family. Once upon a time, this place, it could have been blissful. Beautiful, if well-kept, welcoming. And now it sits dark and cold. All love has long since fled these grounds. And within, Dr. Jimenez has taken custody of Leslie and does not stop when Sebastian calls out to him. Jimenez takes Leslie deeper into the mansion, a complicated lock mechanism keeping Sebastian away. If he wants through, he has to play Rivik's game, brain dissections he performed in the past, his study and mapping of the contents inside a human skull. Find them, Sebastian. Find them. And unbeknownst to Sebastian, at least at first, he's in the midst of a riveting game of cat and mouse. Are you starting to feel like Rivik is unbeatable in his nonchalance yet? Like, Ruvik is in no way threatened by Sebastian's presence, but rather this is just something to survive. Hold on to that feeling, because it's not wrong. If Ruvik could understand joy, he'd be a giggling idiot at this point. And this mansion is littered with bits of Ruvik's past, justifications for his actions, defenses of himself for Sebastian to piece together. He even has the nerve to relate to Sebastian in a way, posting the article of his home burning down, his daughter supposedly dying, the initial downfall of his life. But this in itself is intriguing. Why would Ruvik allow Sebastian Castellanos, who's been a toy and a game this whole venture into parts of his own past? Parts that have long since been erased by Mobius, and the same goes for Julie Kidman. 
Ruvik is showing them how he became what he is, his past, why he made the choices that he has, very painful things for him. Really, he could kill Sebastian at any point, Kidman as well, but he doesn't. It could be to just elongate the game, bring out as much suffering as possible, or what if they made it out of STEM with the knowledge of Mobius's past deeds and plans for the future? Then even beyond STEM, Ruvik would have his own little duo to battle Mobius for him. Again, has Ruvik ever once seemed distressed at the presence of Sebastian or Kidman? I'll leave those questions and possibilities to you as we proceed. Just some food for thought when regarding the aftermath of it all. Sebastian witnesses a young Ruvik's gross curiosities, the tragic burning of his sister in that barn, the heartbreaking decline of Beatriz Victoriano as she believed her children dead, his imprisonment in his own home, the murder of his parents by his own hand, his bargain with Dr. Jimenez, money for bodies, and the violent brilliance of an unrestrained Ruvik, his unreal trap creations that send Sebastian running like a rat in a maze, straight into his basement, a grand cacophony of traps, haunted victims, and hulking monstrosities called trauma. Symbols of Ruvik's death and rebirth in the bowels of his once prison. His rejection of a religion that he so despised, which was forced upon him by his father. Everything has a meaning, and the symbolism of violence and crucifixion is directly on brand for the fragile ego of Ruvik. But before Sebastian's descent is completed, there's one more treat waiting for him. Oh, hello again, Laura. At first, the knee-jerk reaction may be to start shooting. Shoot until it stops moving, and then stomp. Maybe another bullet, just in case. But amidst the chaos of the flame, the screaming of Laura, and the length of this gauntlet battle, what if instead, Sebastian realizes that it's not that difficult? Terrifying, dangerous, yes, but... Everything needed to handle Laura is right here around Sebastian. Imagine my surprise. If panic doesn't take over, if Sebastian thinks this through, it just takes daring to let her chase and cunning to ignite the traps laid out around Laura's arenas. How strangely convenient. And to reward the good detective, a brief audience with the madman himself, Ruvik, playing his word games. And what's the point of this now? Convince the detective that there's something supposedly worse than Ruvik at play. Who is this they that he keeps referring to? Well, of course it's Mobius. And this would put Mobius right in Sebastian's sights, therefore putting Kidman into Sebastian's sights. The seed is planted now. Oh, will the good detective and the kid enter into a conflict? Well, let's find out. Sebastian is back at the surface within the Victoriano family mansion. The once locked way forward is now wide open. And beyond is the good Dr. Marcelo Jimenez and Leslie Withers, connected to something akin to a terminus, a pod to STEM. He's trying to use Leslie to get out of STEM. Leslie Withers is the only test subject who's ever been connected to Ruvik and made it back alive. This isn't Leslie's first rodeo. Ruvik intends to use Leslie to upload himself into, to take control and to leave STEM through Leslie. A new body, a new face, a new life. But still, Jimenez doesn't get it. Leslie has been attuned to Ruvik for so long, he will not let Leslie leave. That's his ride. We've already seen how easy it is for Ruvik to exert control over him. Remember back at the church with Kidman? Well, Jimenez still tries to use Leslie to bring down the simulation to get out of STEM. But all he does is bring Leslie pain. Ruvik won't allow this to happen. 
they'd have to kill Leslie first. Remember, this is a game. Dr. Jimenez is given time to realize that he has no way out. Ooh, do you think it's friendly? And now, finally, he gets it. Jimenez understands that Rivik wants out, that he's going to use Leslie to do it. His final realization before this amalgamation of Rivik crushes him to death. Sebastian and Leslie are once again separated, but the fleshy beast isn't done with Sebastian. Much like Laura, this is a one-on-one -on -one personal fight. And this time, well, it's okay to panic a little bit, Sebastian, I, I won't tell. Just watch where you step as this thing has clobber in hands that hurt something fierce. But as with everything that's come before, Sebastian makes his way through and back to the surface of Crimson City, somehow. The city is folding in on itself. The only thing untouched is Beacon Mental Hospital, the very place that they'd started at. It's time to go back to where it all began. Traversing the concrete playground of Crimson City is strangely par for the course at this point. And I wonder, when you see this, does it put you on high alert? We remember Rivik's game, right? Say it with me. Give them something, take it away. Sprinkle in some violence, yes, very good. Well, here's Julie Kidman, fresh off her adventure in her home village, after her meeting with Ruvik in that church. It's not apparent in this moment, but Kidman is in the midst of a major internal struggle, courtesy of Ruvik. At this point in her life, Kidman has spent almost two years under the tutelage of Sebastian and Joseph at the Crimson City Police Department. This came after the intense Mobius indoctrination, but Kidman, she's a bit of a stubborn one, isn't she? She knows that Rivik wants Leslie, that Leslie is his ticket out, and she's been told that Sebastian and Joseph are collateral damage, forget them. Rivik has been using the visage of her boss against her, upping the stakes and telling her over and over to kill Sebastian and Joseph. Now, Kidman is many things, but a conniver is not one. She's been subjected to a life of harsh treatment. She's tough as nails and a woman of iron. Would she, in turn, inflict suffering on others as has been done to her? Oh, she just has, she just has that wild streak in her. She too has made it into the crumbling Crimson City, where she encounters Sebastian. And when Ruvik finally makes a move, taking Sebastian over as a haunted being, it's purely to muck with Kidman. She knows it, she knows his game, and in a moment of peril, she makes her choice. She's my Sorry for putting you through this. I don't want to hurt you any more than I already have. She won't do it. She will not willingly harm Sebastian. When she raised her hand against Joseph, it brought her great distress. So now Kidman, what of Mobius? When the time comes, will she remain loyal to them, knowing what she knows about Stem, Rivik, and Leslie? Well, our little buddy is just outside, alone. Hello, Leslie. Kidman has been quite kind and gentle to Leslie. He recognizes her as a friend. She's seen Ruvik overtake the young man, bring him to violence against even her. Ruvik will not let him go. Leslie is his ticket out. There's no way to get him out of STEM now. The only option, at least in Kidman's mind, is a tragic one. 
one she does not want to follow through on. But look at what Rivik is capable of, what he's done to everyone inside of STEM. If he were loose on the world, what could he accomplish? He's too dangerous. A sacrifice of one innocent life to save many in the future. If Ruvik doesn't take Leslie, then Mobius will. She won't let anyone take him. It's a difficult mercy, a choice she shouldn't have to make, but she does. Kidman will kill Leslie to stop two evils. Ruvik knows this, and he will use it against her as a form of torment. He doesn't seem very concerned, does he? Sebastian is fine when he gets back up. He was only down for a moment. He doesn't know what her deal is, but Sebastian is pretty clued in that Kidman knows more than she's saying. She isn't who she claims to be. It has to be pretty exhausting, no one communicating the whole truth. Like feeling your way through the dark, in a room full of giant razor blades. Joseph Oda is nearby. The three of them are now in the same vicinity, as is Leslie. Knowing Rubik, well, what do you suppose is going to happen? No. I won't repeat the game. You know that nothing good will come of it. Nothing is by happenstance within STEM. Super cool bus that Joseph has found, though. Suspiciously well kept. I bet it... Oh, hi, Kidman. Where the hell did you come from? Why so out of breath? Oh, 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 okay. Well, don't wreck the bus. Just be cool. Oh. Okay, well, I'll shut up and I'll let her drive. This sex god in motion is called Heresy. It's an agglomeration of many victims, pulled into one mass and completely devoid of an identity. Though it's fast and nigh unkillable, it also seems to be staggeringly stupid and effectively takes itself out during a short chase, not only once, but twice, which finally affords the trio a short break to chat while in transit. Joseph has a theory about the terminus pods that he's come across. Each time he finds one, he feels drawn closer to the Beacon Mental Hospital. And there's gotta be some sort of intelligence behind their movement. Someone has been moving them forward. You get one guess as to who it is, I'll give you a hint. He's standing in the middle of the highway. Seems he has a detour planned, right through the middle of a building. Oh goodness. Joseph and Sebastian are fine. They're together, for now. Kidman, though, went through with the bus. The bus that is now on fire. She had to have moved on if she made the landing intact. Sebastian and Joseph do their best to move through the building to where the crash landed, though care is still required for the Keeper lurks about these halls. And past experience has taught us that the Keeper is extremely dangerous. When in his territory, it's best to not draw attention to oneself. Better to sneak. Better to avoid him all together. Gosh dang it, Joseph, you were supposed to be the smart one. Oh, and hello, Ruvik. Remember, red means scary. Sebastian will not leave Joseph to fight against the Keeper, so rather than move away from it, Sebastian goes towards the Fiend. The two partners will engage the Keeper together into honorable combat to the death, though. Joseph left. Okay, fine, fine. Sebastian has plenty of experience with this thing, he'll do it himself. And then bravely flee as well. All is well that ends well. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Outside, Kidman walks hand in hand with Leslie in a bright, colorful place. It's just a little park, an oasis of innocence amidst the chaos. 
And in his way, he asks Kidman if he can go home, take the train all the way home. Leslie needs someone to guide him, someone to cling to for protection. And Kidman promises that she will do just that. And she's not lying. She has seen what Ruvik will do to him. She knows what Mobius will use him for. The serenity only lasts for a moment before the winds change. A siren's call of what's to come. A hard mercy to undertake. Interrupted by Sebastian. He thinks that he knows a better path to take, but he and Joseph have only just pieced together that Ruvik is moving them around Stem using his own will. In actuality, they have no clue what's in store for Leslie should he be allowed to live. He'll be a tool of Ruvik or for Mobius. Neither option bodes well for Leslie or mankind as a whole. But I don't blame Sebastian and Joseph for wanting to stop her. Letting someone draw a gun on an innocent person goes against their instincts. And their chances at open communication have long since gone. Give them something, take it away, sprinkle in some violence. And though it seems dire, if later stories are to be believed, Joseph Oda did not perish in that moment. Though he has now exited this story, it is not the end of him. Sebastian is all alone now. All he can do is hope that Joseph is well and try to reach Beacon in one piece. And the route that he must take is an infested nest under the ground. The surface is nigh impossible to traverse at this point. Anyways, there's no other way to go forward. Best of all, ooh, there's something down here. And if Sebastian wants to find out what it is, it's going to take some extra effort. What a fair trade. It is something called the Quell that calls these tunnels its home. A chameleon-like beast that doesn't want to be seen running through the tunnels of its home, only striking out when opportune. The coward is easy enough to bring down once realized for what it is, an angry and stupid beast, whose only instinct is to lash out and flee. It's all that guards the way out, a reward for a fight well fought. But still, no sign of Kidman, no sign of Joseph either, at the crossing point that they'd spotted some time back at the wreck. Best to put him from your mind, he will not be back. The partnership of Sebastian and Joseph has ended. But Ruvik is there to say hello, to take Sebastian away from the crumbling city into someplace new, a memory of Ruvik's betrayal at the hands of Dr. Jimenez, as if justifying his actions with his own victimhood, as if to say, do you see what they did to me? They deserve this, and I deserve to do it to them. I'm not certain who Ruvik is trying to convince, but Sebastian doesn't bite, even mockingly asking, are you trying to make me feel sorry for you? Rather than begin a new fresh horror, Sebastian is seemingly graciously returned to a nightmare-fueled rest at the safe haven where things have begun to crumble, to fall apart. And Nurse Tatiana Gutierrez is gone. What's more, Leslie is here, struggling against something, terrified by something but once the shift is completed to halls that resemble the underbelly of a hospital or perhaps a water plant, Leslie calmly stands and sadly beckons for Sebastian to follow, which he does, of course. The young man is always out of reach, 
waiting for him like a little trophy to be obtained, pulling Sebastian forward, just to take Leslie away from him in the final stretch. The exterior of Beacon is pulsating with Ruvik's power. Within, the same carnage that Sebastian walked into so long ago remains. The lobby is covered in bodies and gore. The way through is down, through semi-familiar places where a chase once took place, then up into the guts of the hospital. Leslie's image is used as a lure, drawing Sebastian in closer and closer. Little is put in the way of Sebastian. Remnants of Ruvik's past are laid out for Sebastian to take in, so that he might understand Ruvik's perspectives. And then... this. Leslie? It has been too late for a while now. The moment Sebastian, Joseph, and Kidman arrived in STEM, it was too late. When Leslie was pulled back in, that was his doom. The poor guy. The murder of the police unit, something witnessed at the start of this adventure, is witnessed once again by Sebastian, himself now becoming another target of Ruvik's in the fray. He doesn't outright kill the detective, though, no. He just exerts dominance or he attempts to. When Sebastian fights back, strikes at him, sets him on fire, Ruvik actually acts out in a very childish display of rage, pulling Sebastian into something pulsating and disgusting, a living arena to suffer against hordes of Ruvik's playthings. Punishment for Sebastian's insolence. And if they don't butcher him, well, okay, that's fine. On to dual pyramid head, I mean, dual keepers to contend against in close quarters. And if they don't brutalize Sebastian, well then, here's an obstacle course of Rubik's cruel traps being overseen by a vindictive and watchful eye, who will undo Sebastian should its gaze fall upon him. But it's best not to dally near the exit, as Rubik has a schedule to keep, and the party is waiting for Sebastian's arrival. Within the center of STEM, where the core lies Ruvik's own brain, Sebastian finally receives confirmation of his plight. He's been plugged into a terminus, something that only could have been done by Mobius. They are why he is still here. At best, he's an obstacle to Ruvik, an aide to their agent Julie Kidman. At worst, he's just another victim of Ruvik within STEM. Expendable. Inconsequential. In fact, it would be better if Sebastian was gotten rid of. Better for them. Better for Myra better for Lily, but oh, oh, those are stories for another time, aren't they? Leslie is fleeing from Kidman, who is in open pursuit of the young man. And the two have a brief standoff. Kidman can't seem to put into words the things that she needs to say to educate Sebastian on what's actually going on here. Instead saying, if you know, if you know, if you know, rather than explaining, seems that they didn't teach effective communication courses to Mobius agents during training. Of course, it doesn't work. Of course it doesn't. Ruvik intervenes, cutting the ineffective conversation short. He's waited long enough. Leslie has finally arrived, and he's ready to make his way out of STEM. The final uploading process begins, Ruvik and Leslie becoming one being, or rather, Ruvik usurping Leslie's body and mind. Kidman is removed, taken to her own final challenge against the administrator of Mobius a final game against her, to really drive a wedge between Kidman and Mobius, to break her loyalty, to turn her against them. 
Sebastian, though, Sebastian is thrown into the crumbling city, into the perversion of Ruvik's own mind. To play one final game within STEM, Ruvik's grand finale in this prison, the end of his games. He can do what he wants and be what he wants. So this is what he chooses. The Amalgam. It feeds off of fear and hatred from its victims, the product of Ruvik's madness. And Ruvik is held in place at the brain of the creature by the loving hands of his own sister about his waist. Sebastian refuses to give up the fight, though. The brain of Ruvik in the distance being the best target. Now comes the dash to get closer, but the amalgam toys with Sebastian as he flees, repeatedly drawing Sebastian's attention back to him. It seems nigh immortal, but what's the point in conceding to someone like Ruvik? It won't be an easy death to do so. Even when impaled, Sebastian does not give up, taking shots with a rocket launcher at the amalgam as it creeps ever closer. But okay, so maybe it can be defeated. Maybe there is hope. The beast seems near defeated if Sebastian can kill Ruvik here within his own domain. Perhaps he can really end the madness. He can stop Ruvik and then stop Mobius, and then he can save Leslie, just bring the beast down. Stem is shutting down with Ruvik defeated. Sebastian disconnects from his terminus and he finds Ruvik's brain at the center of the machine, finally ending the madness. He destroys the last remaining pieces of Ruben Victoriano. It's time to go back to the real world, where everything will most assuredly turn out okay. Kidman is at his side, cluing him in to play dead. She'll get him out of this at least. Sebastian fades out, coming to in a terminus room only occupied by corpses. The canister holding Ruben Victoriano's brain is empty. Sebastian is now free to leave, to make his way out of the hospital, where Crimson City Police backup is now descending upon the hospital. The events here will be covered up. They always are when Mobius is involved. 37 minutes in reality have passed since Sebastian, Joseph, and Kidman entered STEM. In the distance, the young man, once called Leslie Withers, walks away. Now, Ruvik. No one save Sebastian acknowledges him. One final feedback episode cues Ruvik's farewell. He vanishes into the city. A resounding success for him. And all that was required was patience and creativity. And now... Ruvik has two agents of his own, Sebastian and Kidman, who will rally an attack against Mobius at a later time. Agents who, in the end, will do his dirty work for him. <laughs> <laughs>